Hello, everyone, and good morning, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. Good morning, Khalid. Why do you keep saying good morning? I don't know. It's actually nighttime here. Yeah, it's nighttime for both of us. I mean, I just assume that maybe somebody's listening to it in the morning, so... You said it twice, which I found especially confusing. Like, you're really committed to it. Really hammering it home. I guess. Anyways, hey, I'm I'm your other host, Khalid Hussein. I didn't even say my name, did I? Uh, maybe you did in between the good mornings. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Joe Praska, one of your hosts, and I'm really uh, winning in the introduction game today. Killing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Khalid, welcome back to L.A. <laughs> You're saying everything in such a weird way that I have to like stop and think about it. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back in LA, which to be clear, you are not in. I am not. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah. You were up, you were up with me in Minneapolis for a while and then you went back. Yeah. I did a couple of weeks there, hung out with family, uh, got to be there for some special occasions. It was all great. And yes, I got to see you and your beautiful family and we all hung out and it was also great. It was great, yeah. Went to the science museum. That was fun. Yeah, I got my I got my steps in for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's it feel to be back in the is it the sun sunshine state? Is that I what California so. is? Uh yeah, I think it's the big apple. Uh that's another name for it. But it might be um, it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. It feels good to be back. I'm gonna get back to work this week and uh just generally back into the my my usual routine. So it's uh it's great. Yeah, yeah. Get some dancing in. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll do some dancing. Good, good, uh, good non-callback to anything at all. <laughs> uh, Khalid, guess what? What, buddy? It's uh, it's just a, uh, it's just a Khalid and Joe episode that we don't have a guest host today. Just the two of us. Like that. You gonna? You should put a sound clip of that song in there at that part. Uh, maybe I won't. <laughs> like i feel like it is called for but I, maybe i won't just because i like your version of it <laughs> that is the politest rejection i've ever gotten <laughs> i'm gonna put it right here so we still have that whole part awesome yeah yeah but yeah it's just us just be, just, just just a good old colleen and joe episode which is which is fun every once in a while it's honestly what the fans demand from time to time so we're just we're just being very gracious as hosts yeah uh, we get we get angry fan mail that says, please, just every once in a while, do a Khalid and Joe episode. Your repertoire, your tete-a-tete, it is needed. That's what they say. It's very specific language. All of the mail says the same thing, which leads me to believe it's one person, but who knows? Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's probably just one person. I don't actually think we're getting that mail, so. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there may or may not be mail. Like, it's, it's Schrodinger's mail. Yeah, but you got to commit to the bit. Commit. Which I didn't. Uh, Guess what else, Khalid? What? We're going to take a ride on the Pork Chop Express. Woo, woo, oink, oink, truck, truck. Yeah, that's what he says in the movie. I think he says that. (laughs) I don't don't really know what he's talking about half the time. What are we talking about today, Khalid? (laughs) Today we are talking about the 1986 action fantasy film Big Trouble in Little China. Directed by John Carpenter. And I've got a synopsis from our homeboy Google. And it goes a little something like this. 
Kurt Russell plays hard-boiled truck driver Jack Burton, who gets caught in a bizarre conflict within and underneath San Francisco's Chinatown. An ancient Chinese prince and Chinatown crime lord has kidnapped a beautiful green-eyed woman who is the fiant... Who is the fiancé to Jack's best friend? Jack must help his friend rescue the girl before the evil Lopan uses her to break the ancient curse that keeps him a fleshless and immortal spirit. Done. What a monster. They're creatures of the abstract that live of potential energy. It's alive! I'm laughing a little bit about how you're about to say fiancé. I was going to say financier because I didn't – I don't know why. Like I was like reading fast and kind of like on autopilot and I saw like two E's at the end of a word that started with F and I was like must be financier. Do you see financier more than fiancé? I would say so. I don't see fiancé more than financier. If anything, I would say it's equal or more financiers. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess we know that Khalid has a lot of financiers in his life. So um, uh, One or two. I don't – don't put my business out there. Fair enough. <laughs> so <laughs> we're back to a carpenter, a carpenter movie. We did the the thing a while back with your your buddy Eric. That was a lot of fun, and we just we just had such a blast. We had to go back to the the carp the carp the carp man carpe diem. I, I don't I don't know what I'm doing there. Just You're- just <laughs> carpenter. <laughs> this this turned into a real sweaty episode in terms of how much effort we're putting into bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just got to let it flow freely. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. We're back, we're, back to, we're back to John Carpenter is what I'm saying. Yeah, the the cart man, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, Khalid, what did you think of this one? Oh man, I'm two for two on this carpenter guy. You know what? I uh, I don't like to count on my chickens before they hatch, but this John Carpenter's guy, he's got the goods. I'll say it. I'll say it this early into his filmography because I haven't seen much of it, and he's he's really talented, man. This is an amazing movie. I actually. Uh, Eagle-eared listeners will remember that I had seen this in a double feature with The Thing when me and Eric watched that, and I was like, I love, I really loved The Thing when I watched it, but man, this one just like stole my heart. This is such a great movie. I love the just like running gag about Jack Burton. I love how gonzo the story is and everybody just plays it seriously. Kim Cattrall's great. Um, The rest of the cast is amazing. I love that it's like a largely uh, Asian cast. Uh, That's that's super cool. You don't see that much with these older films. Uh, But we'll get into all of that, obviously. Joe, what did you think? Also really liked it. It's a, it's a very different film than the thing, but it's, it's uh, Oh my God. It's a lot of fun. This, uh, this might've been, I, I haven't seen all of Carpenter's films, but this might've been one of the, of his bigger ones that I've, I saw the latest in my life. Um, so weirdly it's like as a kid, I'd seen Halloween before this, but I've watched like the thing Halloween and, uh, they live and a bunch of the other classics before this. And I think I hadn't seen, I only saw this on TV. So this is my first time, like getting like the real treat, like good version of it, watching it on like Blu-ray intentionally kind of thing. So it was, it was a treat. It was, uh, I, I, I couldn't remember exactly what to expect going into it, but I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, it's just so much fun. There's so many cool elements to it. It's very funny, and uh, and the way it just plays around with with tropes is is really clever for the time. Also, like I think, like I see, we see a lot of subversion these days, but 
it wasn't as common back then. So it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see. And, um, and I, I said, it's a very different movie than the thing, but it just, it, I don't know how to place it, but it does feel distinctly Carpenter. Like you can, like, I feel like it feels like a John Carpenter movie. Maybe that's the Kurt Russell presence there, but uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't say enough about it. I really, really, really liked it. Yeah, it also feels like a John Carpenter movie to me because I've only seen two. So like, I can just <laughs> yeah. be like, yeah, this is definitely this is Carpenter for sure. I can say that with authority. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, no, this movie was so fun. Should we just should we just get into what we liked about it? We should. We should. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, I think for me, I especially on my second time watching it through the, now, uh, the part that like really wins me over, at least like lets me know that we're in for a ride is that first alleyway gang fight. <laughs> it's, I mean, everything before it is also great, but it's like, it's great in that way that like you're, you don't know what kind of movie you're being teed up for. It's, it, there's like a whole thing with with uh, Jack and uh, what's his friend's name? His friend's name is uh, Wang Chi. Wang. Yeah, Wang. Uh, when they're when they make that weird bet to like slice a bottle in half, <laughs> <laughs> because because apparently like his best friend Wang is incredibly in debt to to Jack for for gambling related reasons, and the only way he thinks he can get through it is if like he can chop a bottle in half and like, wait, I don't, the whole thing was like, just kind of like confusing and fast, but also very funny and, uh, and actually a really good prelude to the kind of movie we were going to get as far as like, as, as much time as you want to sit there and be like, wait, what? Like they've already moved on. Like the bottle slicing in half thing, like it comes and goes and, and it's really just a pretext to have Jack, like come along and following chief of the airport. And it but, was the Chekhov's gun with the with the reflex bit, right? Exactly. I, which I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like he <laughs> says it like four times in the movie. So, like, I don't want to be like that's so clever. It feels like they spent like a lot of like time setting up. Like, this is going to come into play at an important time. I think uh, everything, a lot of stuff in this movie is intentionally in your face. Yeah, they lay a lot of seeds to just like spring up later. But um, yeah, like I say, I was to say like that was a really good intro. And what, but what really won me over was like when you finally understand what kind of movie you've just walked into and it's the alleyway gang fight, dude, (laughs) it's, it it starts crazy and then it just gets crazier. (laughs) You you got, you've got a funeral procession that one gang is having through the alleyways. Who ever heard of an alleyway funeral procession? (laughs) I just... You you like respect this man. You you you've got him vaunted. It's a very like ornate casket, but for some reason your pathways are through alleys for a funeral. I just I don't know. Like even as a moment, I just took it for granted. Like yep, that's what happens. But it's now as I'm saying it, I I see just how ridiculous that is, and and it, it only elevates from there. Like you've got them all in their geese, like their karate geese or whatever. So you think the fight's just going to immediately turn into a brawl, but no, they bust out the the heavy assault rifles first. It's the for for them a gang war like with guns is like the amuse bouche. It's the appetizer before you get into the actual like swords and hand to hand stuff, and and then it gets into that, and then it gets into the the magic shit show, and 
<laughs> and it just it all works like at no point are you just like pushing back on it you just go yeah no this all tracks what did what did you think of that i loved it i mean i think that the way you're describing it that whole scene is just a microcosm for the movie itself right yeah in a like lot of just, ways <laughs> like it just it just like something that starts off a little bit innocuous a little bit off like like we like we see in the beginning uh it just de- devolves into just just magic and weird shit and it's it's great <laughs> It's so great, dude. Oh, my God. When Lopez shows up and they run over him and Jackson's like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of Alice in Wonderland-esque in a sense where he's just like he's completely clueless and just running into weird stuff. Like he doesn't know what's going on at any point in the movie, I feel like. At all. Like, I don't know. It just. He feels Jeff Burton is such a great character because like he's basically dumb Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. So, uh, fun fact. So Carpenter describes him as John Wayne without a clue. So that that was the that was the intent. Like he's supposed to be like idiot James uh, Indiana Jones, but apparently the studio was really unhappy with that, and they didn't think he was heroic enough. So they actually uh they made uh carpenter and the team go back to make that opening scene again where like egg uh egg shan was describing jack burton as a hero to the lawyer they're like oh so it'd be more clear to the audience that he he's a hero so like yeah so they they had to go back and do that and so i feel i feel like they did it well enough that it it still fits with the movie but it it can tell it does feel like an afterthought yeah no i don't think that it needed that i granted i don't even until you pointed it out i forgot about that intro anyway so like i think that carpenter kind of got his way and that he just threw did a throwaway line in there to please some suits he absolutely did yeah but i do wish that they would have even doubled down on how stupid he was because that's probably my favorite part about this movie is uh the the beefy action hero that like conventionally would be the 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 story's like main focus and do everything right I love the subversion with with the Jack character, the Jack Burton character, and Kurt Russell does such a great job of. He at no point plays it like a stupid person. He plays it like an overly confident person who's in over his head, mm-hmm. and that's just such a great read on this character that I I only wish they would have given him more chances to kind of just fall on his face. Agreed. Yeah. No. He. I, I, I can never place whether or not I feel like Kurt Russell is a is a great actor or not. I think he like he's good in everything he's done, um, but yeah, he just like he does that this trope so well, so well. Like it's um, he's he's funny, but like it never feels like he's trying to be funny. And I, I don't know, I it just yeah, like you said, it works. Yeah, no, it's it's all so great, and uh, it just. <sighs> I don't know, for me at least, because when I first heard about this movie, the only reference I had for it was Kurt Russell on the like cover with the like tank top and the muscles bulging <laughs> yeah. and he's holding guns and you're just like, okay, so this is like Escape from New York, but it's Chinatown? And yeah. then you watch it and it's absolutely not. It's uh it's it's a very intelligent comedy about a guy that doesn't know he's in a comedy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. but, okay, so we've, we've spoken about him. I think we got to give the flowers or the rest of the flowers to the, the cast, the supporting cast, because Dennis Dune as Wang Chi is so great. Yeah, he's uh, the real hero. Yeah, the real hero uh, going after his green eyed girl. 
uh, <laughs> Kim Cattrall does a great job in this. Just like she really plays well off of Kurt Russell. I think this might be the only non-sex in the city thing I can like say confidently say I've seen her in. And I, I'm sorry to sex in the city fans. I think I like her performance here better. <laughs> um, so, and then, uh, let's see, uh, egg Shen is great. Uh, we got to give it up to, uh, to low pan, the, uh, the Minnesota icon himself, James hometown Hong. hero, hometown hero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. James Hong kills it as low pan, especially cause he's playing him in like, what is it? Three different iterations of low pan or two. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he does. He he shows up at one point as like a kind of like a like a, a like a hobo looking guy. He yep. he does the like the mystical kind of ghost like version, and then he also is the old the old man. So yeah, he does like a couple different versions of Lopan. He's kind of like a first run at Jafar in Aladdin. Kinda. Of that's ways. a great. That's a great comparison. You know, like he does yeah. the disguises thing. He's got these mystical powers. He needs just more a more power. He needs to like kidnap what is this movie's version of the princess to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of of uh, you can you you. I would not be surprised if the people that made Jafar consciously or unconsciously were pulling from Lopan. Yeah, I, I could I could totally see that, and and James Hong was actually a big reason why we chose this movie because if uh, if you if you've seen his name in the news recently. He just got uh, his Hollywood star on the walk of fame. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is well-deserved. Like he has a storied career of, of cool stuff and long overdue. I, it was actually, I was, I was reading about it. It was actually spearheaded by uh, the campaign to get him. His star it was spearheaded by Daniel day Kim actually, which is kind of cool. Ooh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. It was like a crowdfunded thing where he's getting signatures and being like, he deserves this, you know? Yeah, he played what is it, June or Jung on Lost? Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, uh, I know him as like random side Marine in Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> just, just kidding. Honestly, well, most of us, most of us yeah. probably do. I, I don't just know kidding. why I was picking his yeah. more obscure role. <laughs> no, he was. Yeah, he was in Enterprise for like brief moments without dialogue. Probably maybe like a line. But yeah, he's in Lost. Yeah, only you remember that. <laughs> I I was really excited when I saw him. I thought he was going to be a bigger role. I mean, was it before or after Lost? It was well before Lost. So that makes sense then. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, James Hong, awesome. He was um, among many highlights, A also a highlight in this film. Like he was so uh, like just like, I guess like scenery chewing would be applicable here, you know, like having a great time. I loved uh, the final like fight you know, scene with him and egg Shan where they're, they have like, their they're like kind of beams of like ninja warriors or samurai warriors that are fighting like, like ethereal, like it, it felt like the Voldemort Harry Potter battle. If that was like 10 times like cooler and weirder, you know, in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, and like, and then James Hong, like, it's just, like, I'm sure the actors like didn't know what the VFX was going to look like entirely, but like, he's like sitting there just like moving his thumbs, like he's playing a Game Boy or something. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I'd like to think he brought that to the set. Like, he I, I was like, bet this he is, did. This is my take. And John, John Carpenter was like, oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a cool featurette. So I have the, we watched this together. This is like the first time we actually watched the movie together, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we're usually like states apart. We did watch this together. We watched it in the Blu-ray. It's uh, I have a Shout Factory uh, Steelbook edition of it, which came out in 2019. So there's a lot of cool extras. And there's a featurette on there called The Soul of Lopan, where he just kind of reflects on his time on set and time on the, doing this character. And uh, 
he talked about how just like how much fun he had on the set of this, like getting to play these different roles or different iterations of that character, but also uh, the VFX that he got to do. Like he like when he was like the ghost ethereal version, like he could he had like stand on this dolly and just kind of like float and like move his arms all goofily, like act ghostly. And he said that was just like he had never done anything like that before. And he just thought (laughs) apparently just thought it was super like silly, but uh, like just a, a hell of a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad he had fun. It looked like yeah. he had fun on on screen. Yeah, it did look like it. Yeah. So, did, did you hear uh, that they're trying to make a sequel about of this movie? I did. Every time I tried to Google information about this, I just kept getting like stuff about The Rock, like rebooting it. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, I I actually every time I saw it, I just kind of didn't click on it because I wanted to find stuff about the movie. But I'm I'm not. Uh, I, I actually I like The Rock quite a bit in a lot of stuff that he does. And I so like it's not, not about too. him, but I don't I just don't know if I want this movie to be really kind of dragged back up in that way. Like it's st- it's there, like people can go watch it. I don't need I don't really need more to it, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't I feel like a lot of these like movies from the 80s and stuff like that, like when you make a sequel about it, it is cash grabby. It's not like they're mm-hmm. picking these movies that have, people have spent decades just being like, where's the sequel? It's always a shameless cash grab. So accepting that, then I look into the movie itself and I go, fine. If like greed and capitalism dictate that we need to have a sequel, like what could be done with this? And this one I'm like less annoyed by than some of the decisions that are okay. like, for sequels. I think this one, they, they've done a good job of like establishing that this is a world where like bonkers stuff happens all the time. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that like another big trouble happens in in little China. Um, that being said, I don't love the rock for this universe. I, he's a, he's a funny enough guy. He's a sufficient enough actor to get through scenes and like, you not like make you like take you out of it or anything like that. So, like, I don't necessarily know that those would be the issues with casting him. I think it's just that, like, it takes a very specific, like, performance to, like, make the Jack Burton-esque role, which I assume he would inhabit. It takes a specific, like, performance to get that. And I don't know that he has the range to to fulfill it. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. I think that I, – I, I bet he could, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think about maybe his – role in like J- jumanji a little bit yeah feels, un- feels kind of on par with what we might be looking for like this um like the parody of the action hero and he I, does that pretty well but i, I still I, i'm not sold because it's it just feels like it would be too like too tongue-in-cheek we're like here it, it took you a little bit to figure it out you know like someone who hasn't seen big trouble in little china be like kurt else is the hero kurt else is the hero right Wait, wait a second. Like, you'd have to think about it. Like, I think if they in the in the now, like if it was the Rock too, like you'd see it, the jokes being made early on and right away to to paint that picture. It would be very lampshaded. Yes, I think yeah. that studios would have cold feet about the joke not being clear, even if there was another movie that people could reference. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It could be great, but it, it's I guess color me skeptical. All right, um, looking at my crayon box, I found the skeptical crayon. And I am shading you in. Um, 
So I don't. Okay, but okay, like I'm putting you on the spot here. It's okay if you don't have an answer. But who would you cast if you could for the Jack Burton esque role? Like not necessarily Jack Burton, but occupying that same space. It's a good question. Um, okay. Uh, I I have an idea who you'd cast because I don't uh, know about it. Maybe, but I think you're wrong on this one. Just to give you a heads up, but you can say if you Cause want. Because you, ch- you changed your mind from what you told no, me. No, I I think he's good, and I think he could do it. But I also just don't want to give him any more roles. So right. I've got somebody else in mind that I don't think you'd expect. Okay, so for context for listeners, Khalid, when we we're watching this, said something about how he felt like uh, you could see like a like a Chris Pratt type going in this role, right? Essentially, yeah. Like I, this movie, uh, really just hit me over the head with the duh, the duh energy of like, oh yeah, Chris Pratt really kind of is our generation's Kurt Russell. Like they really both just occupied the same space of uh, kind of pretty boy action hero that could also like do stuff at their own expense, like a, like make themselves the butt of the joke and not mm-hmm. lose face because of it. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, it's actually really inspired casting, making Kurt Russell, his dad in guardians of the galaxy too. spoilers. Sorry for <laughs> an like eight year old movie, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild how much like they both just like have that same degree of charisma to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's not my choice for, I for could see. Role. Okay. So here, okay. I'm thinking of a couple that maybe maybe could pull it off um just trying to i'm trying to think of like actors that are like kind of traditionally sort of badass you know yeah um but That's could kind of be self-aware went. um yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking like uh, uh who am i thinking of um you know like jason statham maybe could do it i bet Statham I just could, think of like, but like his role already, in Spy. He already did it in Spy. That's that's yeah. what I was gonna say. I guess like my head's going to roles where they already done it. Maybe Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman could do it. Actually, that's really. I think good. he could do it. Yeah, Hugh he Jackman might be could do a anything. Little too old now, though. Yeah, he could be. Like both of the guys you're talking about are like pushing sixty or or like might be sixty. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I don't know. It's a great question. I, who do you have in mind? Charlize Theron. Oh my god, that's a great choice. I think oh, yeah. I think she would crush this, dude. I I keep thinking about it. Like I think about her run on Arrested Development and how straight she played that. Like, yeah. Admittedly, in retrospect, incredibly problematic character, but super, yeah, very much so. <laughs> but she played it very straight. At no point was like the joke. Like at their expense, it was always like the reveal was where it got offensive because like yeah. she always played it just like a straight person, but still so funny. And mm-hmm. I think about her action hero bona fides. If you've had a long enough conversation with me uh, at dinner parties or what have you, I have eventually brought up the fact that I think that short of Keanu Reeves, I think that Charlize Theron is our premier action star of, of our generation. And so I think that like, this is the kind of role that like really capitalizes on her notoriety as like an action movie star. And she is intelligent enough to subvert it without like lampshading it or making it like so clear that her performance is about subversion. Mm -hmm. So I just, yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. That's a hundred percent a great choice. I, I fully 
back that. <laughs> Cosine. Yeah, she's great. I, I mean, she it's understated. It's it, it's unfairly so that she is easily, like you said, one of the greatest action stars, like right now. Like her her like bona fides are there. Like she's in so many great action movies and does such a great convincing job. She's in what might be the greatest action movie of all time, depending on who you ask. And she is the driving force of it. And it's not even her name on the title. Are we talking about Aeon Flux? Yeah, exactly. For all my, where are my Flux heads at? Uh, <laughs> ha- hashtag I don't give a Flux. Uh, <laughs> no, we're, uh, we are obviously talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, yeah. b- but Aeon Flux is up there. Yes. <laughs> She wears yeah, she, she wears she, unicolor bodysuits, man. That's her superpower. She does. She's she's great in everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, great choice. I like it. Did you also know? So this is a little bit slightly tangential topic that this movie was originally supposed to be a western. What? Yeah, apparently, um, in the original script, the idea uh, Carpenter wanted this movie to be a western, and Jack was supposed to lose his horse after coming into town rather than the truck. Got it. Um, switched to modern day setting because uh, just around the same time, Rosemary's Baby was a big success. And he was like, well, that's contemporary. So why not do I think contemporarily? Which is interesting. <laughs> that's so weird just to see the <laughs> success of Rosemary's Baby and think whatever they did applies to your movie. <laughs> right? Very different. <laughs> oh, man. God bless Carpenter. I will never claim to know what he's thinking. He is an enigma. Uh, like he's very int- like he because he did. He also does the music for this too, which is really cool. Like he did the music and he sang in the in the in the in the soundtrack. Really, what did he sing? I don't remember. I just saw that he sang at some point in the soundtrack. So, but yeah, he's he's he he like tours like with a with a band or like does music like concerts. Huh. Yeah. I mean- that's I would see that. I think. I mean, I, I don't know that I would go out of my way to see it, but I'd see it. I'd be I'd be into it. I mean, yeah. it probably would come to you in L.A. first. Oh yeah, chilling at the bowl. Yeah, uh, I guess I don't know for sure, but I saw that like yeah, in, in the track listing, there's an artist called the Coupe de Villes. Then maybe that's his band. I don't know. Ooh, look that up now. Nope, don't think it is. No, it is. Yep, that's his band. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw like a picture of like dudes, but I'm like, no, that's, 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 Car- it, that's Carpenter. I, I would call it the Carp Devils at least. Yeah, that's pretty clever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on if they want like Carpenter to be like the main draw of an audience. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Should we uh, monster? Let's. Yeah. So this movie had a couple monsters. It's, uh, I think. It's not necessarily the most known for being a monster movie, but it, it kind of is at heart. Like there are some odd creatures that show up from time to time, and in a sense, like Lopan is kind of a kind of the the big bad monster, and he's not. Uh, he's kind of a supernatural being when you think about it, right? I would, yeah, I would say his uh, soldiers or generals, whatever you want to call them, thunder, lightning, and rain. I would say oh, they yeah. count as like monstrous. They, abso- they absolutely count. Yeah, the yeah. the like supernatural like godlike people or whatever the, yeah like they're the at triplets. least yeah they're at least like witches or something yeah so. for sure witches <laughs> so in this movie so carpenter team with uh richard edlund who had done uh, vfx work with raiders of the lost ark and poltergeist and his effects company boss films for the vfx so the team worked pretty hard because there was a really low budget with this mm-hmm. and uh they actually rushed the production schedule 
because they were trying to beat the golden child with Eddie Murphy, which was coming out around the same time, had similar themes, which we should also do on the podcast because there's some cool creatures there. I've never seen that. And I honestly, like when I heard that they were competing because they had similar themes, because I read that too a little bit, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I have no idea what the golden child is about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. I think this is the better movie, of course, but I think it's a it's a it's a worthwhile movie. All right, um, well, I'll watch it when you tell me to. That's yeah, how, that's how this works. <laughs> yeah, this actually would have made a good d- double feature, honestly. Uh, bummer. Oh, it's okay. All right, I'm on um, the next plane back to watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I I uh, I wrote down including Lopan four different uh, kind of monsters that they worked hard on, like VFX wise. The first of which um, we see is that it's called the in the uh, the production is called the Chinese Wild Man, which is that Sasquatch esque creature that Kim Cattrall meets when she falls into the the cave area. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Um, so with that thing, Carpenter envisioned the creature to look kind of like a cross between like a wolf and Nosferatu. Um, the VFX director did like a whole bunch of drawings for the creature. He didn't like it, but apparently uh, um, got an idea to hone in on a design by looking at a mummy picture from National Geographic. So when you think about it, if you think of the influences of Nosferatu, Wolf, but also mummy, that's kind of what he was going for when he came together to make this creature. I like that. It's like the big, like the three of the big four universal monsters just kind of Kinda. clumped together. Obviously, they left out our homeboy Frankenstein. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but forgiven this time, I get it. It's a lot to put into one monster. But I don't know. I don't know that I got all of those influences. Like hearing them now in retrospect, it kind of makes sense. But like, I guess like I just like thought of like this is like a proto monster from the Goonies, whatever that guy's name was. Yeah. Yeah, like, I no, I I did not get that in the moment, but look for it next time. Yeah, no, it was a it was a fun monster, and I love the little tag at the end when he's hanging out on the what is it called the Pork Chop Express? The Pork Chop Express. Yeah, uh, when when he's like hanging from it, kind of a what is it a Cape Fear style from like under the carriage? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remind me of the gremlin on the plane. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's joining a pantheon of creeps that hide on yeah. vehicles. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was a cute thing. But also, I was just like, I don't know, based on this movie, it seems like Jack is woefully unprepared for what, what that's going to end up being. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's going to do in that situation when he just stops his truck next. I hope they answer that in the sequel. Like maybe the monster just immediately eats Jack, and that's why that's why he's not in the sequel. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's not there. Yeah, yeah. So they just they pay they pay him, uh, Kurt Russell all that money to come in and get de-aged like Marvel style, just to get devoured by a monster. No lines. Worth it. Yeah, I would love it. That would honestly be such a true, uh, faithful ending to the to the original. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should be writing the script then, huh? Uh, yeah, maybe I should. You know what? The Rock, you know where to find me. I'm not going to play desperate here. I think he goes by Dwayne now. He knows. When I say The Rock, he knows who I'm talking to. There's not other people he can confuse it with. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, next monster that we kind of come across is uh, sort of what's known as the sewer monster, who we only really see for like 
total of a couple seconds. Um, and this creature, it like comes out of like a cave wall to slightly attack him. Egg Shen does some kind of like magic trickery and sends it back into the cave. Remember that one? Uh, can you describe what it looks like? I will. It just, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's inspired by an anglerfish, a massive creature on a track with steel under structure and an actor inside. It kind of rolled out of the end and comes back. It was the part when I lo- and I love the line. He the Egg Shen says, "You will come out no more." And Jack Jack's like, "What? What will come out no more?" Remember that? Uh, admittedly, it's not ringing bells, but it is ringing chimes. So oh. uh, I'm getting like a slight recollection of what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's this, it's this odd uh, odd creature, but uh, it actually was uh, one of the toughest one for them to build. So hopefully, hopefully, people listening can kind of remember this. It's it has like kind of large bug eyes. It's like slimy, buggish kind of fish like creature. And uh, it was meant to be featured more in the film, but the size and the difficult maneuverability uh, kind of prevented that. So they end up just using it for that one scene where it popped out at them. They sent it back in the cave and they just moved on. Got it. I mean, I think it was effective. Like I, there was so much going on and like so much sort of moving through that. Like I'm for me, I have no trouble believing that they had bigger, crazier plans, but yeah. that, it's one of those things where like they were so ambitious that even if they fell short, it was still going to be the extravaganza that it turned out to be. In my mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, the, the next one we kind of have is, is that floating watchful eye is what it was, which, uh, which, which required animatronic animatronic <laughs> numerous puppeteers and operators working in tandem, uh, and a, and a ton of varying eyeballs looking in different directions. So it was just it sounds like that was a it was a challenge, but probably kind of fun to operate. It, it's the one that uh, if you remember, I think it reminds me of Modok. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I I could see Modok. Yeah, like the floating like eye thing. I got Slimer vibes. Uh, maybe just the animation style. I mean, I think it acted a little bit like Slimer because it would kind of come out at them and they would like chase it away sometimes. Yeah, and it was like floaty and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I guess Modok's also floaty, but I also <laughs> don't have like as I don't have as much experience with Modok. So for me, like Slimer's kind of the standard for like gross floaty thing. I think that's fair. I mean, Modok's only just got it just recently in the pop culture zeitgeist with the right. with the Pat, Pat and Oswald show. Piaz, yeah, Piaz is great. Yeah, go go Piaz. You you cut that check. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course <laughs> and of course finally we have Lopan himself the uh the the biggest monster of the group the leader of the whole thing the one orchestrating all the problems all the the big trouble if you will. Yeah. Um yeah, so the interesting thing um so the actor James Hong was in old man makeup for a lot. Uh it, it was like 10 overlapping facial appliances, a shoulder hump, uh thin hand punched hair to make it look make him look so ancient. Um, but the, the, apparently the most challenging effect for him was when they had to like, when they, when he transitioned from an old man to like the, the wizard state that he, or the wizard or the ghost state or whatever, he, his like skull and hands started glowing. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, when he does that, the team actually had to create a molded dummy head of, of that iteration of low pan, which lit with like a, a apparently a thousand watt light bulb to emit a bright light kind of over and over again until like they were able to like, like, you know, bl- brighten it up to like transition into young low pan, young looking low pan. So that was all a puppet. 
Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. a thousand watt light bulb. I don't think I've ever even seen one of those in action. That sounds intense. I'm sure it probably burned a few of those puppets. Yeah, man. I, lo- I love, I love what I like. They, they get in like the ingenuity like that. Like I'm sure they had to like, probably like they, you got to make something like that custom, right? Like I don't think Home Depot's selling that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is like, we talk about a lot on this podcast, but this is like a, a movie in, in particular that I feel like had to rely on a lot of ingenuity and just creativity with the VFX because they had such a small budget. And it was also the time where like CGI wasn't much of a thing. I mean, there was like post effects, of course, but you had to just kind of figure it out on the fly. No, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, and I mean, it's, it's such a testament to like how cool and uh, like just long lasting uh, practical effects can be, you know, cause like obviously a lot of this SFX, like the graphics don't hold up as well, but there's mm-hmm. something about it where like coupled with the practical effects, there's like a charming, like, I don't know if campy is the right word for it, but there's something just like really, uh, just DIY about it all, even though this was a big budget feature. <laughs> yeah. I think campy in this case applies. Like it's, it's definitely campy in a lot of ways. Like, you know, that like the Chinese wild man, the creature, like that's obviously a guy in a suit. Like we all know that, but it just, it just feels fun. Yeah. And I mean, to, I just, I, I, I touched on it at the beginning that like, there's something so just kind of like radical and, and awesome about like this largely, uh, I don't know if it's Chinese, but at least largely Asian cast uh, kind of leading the story. And then Mm -hmm. it also just pulls from like uh, Chinese folklore with with all of these characters and the stuff that they're doing. And obviously you can only praise a movie so much when it implies that every Asian person you come across is like secretly magical or at the very least a martial artist Uh, (laughs) that that gets dicey in its own way. But I want to give it. I want to give it props where props are due. Just given the time period it's in, to 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 showcase these these actors and these stories that I, they you would not be getting otherwise. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's probably easy to make the case that there are elements that of of this that are probably, I guess, problematic. But I think you got to consider that like everything in this movie is heightened to an extreme. Like everything is meant to be like over the top and ridiculous and nothing is realistic and intentionally. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, did you see any of the casting options and stuff like that for this movie? Casting options, like alternative ideas. Yeah, I did not. Okay. So they're all pretty much like, uh of the time what you would expect but the one that like really caught my eye was that they were thinking of having uh wang chi played by jackie chan oh interesting and and this would have i think if the thing was that he turned it down he he turned it down because of uh he i think he had a couple flops in america or something like that at the time Hmm. And he wanted to go back to China and just like kind of like recoup and uh, build up the brand there because he thought that America, the American market just wasn't like into it or whatever. So like there's a world where we get Jackie Chan in Big Trouble in Little China. And I feel like, I don't know, like, I, what do you think? Like, do you, I don't think the movie would have been any any worse for it, but I can't. It's hard to say it would have been better. It's hard. I'm sure it would have been a lot of fun. Still, I think. Actually, um, 
I will say it would have been better just because the fight sequences would have been crazier. Like, no offense to the actor who did it, uh, D- Dennis Dunn. I think that I read that he had some martial arts experience as a child and, like, he did, like, a lot of, like, Chinese opera and stuff like that that was, like, mm-hmm. physical. So, like, he was more than up for the role and he did a great job. But, like, I think about, like, if they somehow did, like, just, like, crazy, like, unbroken takes of, like, Jackie Chan just, like, taking out six dudes – uh, I I feel like it would have really underscored the Jack the joke that is Jack Burton there. You know, like if your sidekick is Jackie Chan, are you sure you're not the sidekick? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I guess uh, I, I think with the with with Dennis Dune, the way he played the character, or Dennis Dunn, there's uh, the way he played the character. Um, there's definitely like an element where he feels um sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, reserved at first, like you, you almost don't expect him to be a fighter, but then like, he kind of just like, will just, you know, kick a bunch of ass, like suddenly while Jack Burton knocks himself out. And and that felt like a surprise, but I feel like, and I don't know if this was the case in the eighties, but now we definitely would have seen Jackie Chan and we kind of been just, we would be waiting for his fight scenes, you know? That's true. I mean, the joke would have been ruined for anybody who even remotely knew who Jackie Chan was, which would have pr- increasingly be more and more people the longer the movie was out. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I will say like, the, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I almost hope like a multiverse exists because there is a universe where that happened. And I'd be curious, but I'm also not happy with this timeline. This timeline did it right. The movie was cast well, and I, I really loved who ended up playing Wang Chi. Agreed. Yeah. I think he did a great job. I think, yeah, like you said, I think Jackie Chan could have been great. It would have been pretty fun, but I'm, I'm still happy with what we got. Yeah, no, all, 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 all around great. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that are all around great, Khalid. Yeah. Bears can be all around great. <laughs> that was a very good dramatic pause for a second. There. I, I thought you were muted or something. No, no, I wanted to, I wanted to keep you hang, hanging for suspense there. Okay. So yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Bears are great. And yeah. And this is a good time to, to segue into the fair, Four Bears test. It is a great time to segue into the Four Bears test. Uh, four Bears test, if you don't know, uh, I ask what happens if you take the monster in discussion out of the movie and replace it with Four Bears? Uh, does it change the narrative? Does it stay the same? Uh, Etc. So which monster should I do for this one? I haven't really thought about it because I don't... I think the only one that like, really applies is the the kind of werewolf mummy thing right yeah i was i I guess i was kind of curious since we have a couple different monsters like i was just saying i was thinking which one do you think would be most comparable to four bears like which one do you think like you could take four bears put in that place and still kind of have the same uh type of thing happening um i kind of think that four bears could take the place of the three witch dudes Uh, yeah, because I don't know when you think about a lot of what they do, like it's only in like enclosed spaces, and I feel like that's where a bear really shines is like kind of smaller spots where like you'd only have so many places to go, and like if they come barreling at you, you're screwed anyway. Um, granted, the thunder, lightning, and rain guys have uh, like magical powers that they use, but. I think they're only doing that because they're not bears, you know, they, <laughs> because they're not bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if they had totally because of that, 
if they had their choice between turning into a bear and handling their problems that way or their current power sets, who knows? Maybe they would change. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that three of those guys is equal to having to fight four bears, especially if you're not only fighting the four bears, you're also fighting the gang. You're also fighting the, the other monsters. You're also fighting Lopan. I think it's, I would say it's still the same problem in a lot of ways for them. Um, I don't know how much magic Lopan would have to do to get the bears to care about his mission of finding a green eyed girl. Um, that's, that seems like a whole other conversation about how invested bears would be in a problem like that. But assuming he can mind control them or something. Yeah. I think that four bears would have given them just as much trouble as thunder, lightning and rain. So this movie passes the four bears test. Wow. That was a surprise pass. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just like all of a sudden I was just like, well, I think about like the three guys and like they were tough, but when they're in those like they were tough until they weren't in a lot of ways. Like Wang Chi just suddenly became like strong enough to take them, and all like, it all it all just became like really subjective after a while. Who was stronger than who? Yeah. Wow. So. Well, you sold it. Wow. Good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, can we just like Lopan's plan, right? Like, he wa- <laughs> like now you're talking about like looking for a green eyed girl, like for. He, they make a big deal for the longest time about how it's like so hard to find a green eyed Chinese woman. And, and finally one comes along. So he like instantly kidnaps her and wants to marry her. But then he also kidnaps Kim, Kim Cattrall who has green eyes. So like he could have just, that, yeah. And then it turns out the requirement was only green eyes, just like, green eyes. He was just making it like a little harder by, or a lot harder by making it a Chinese girl who has green eyes, which like I just genetically, they're not predisposed to do that. So you're, you're just, why not just anybody with green eyes? He could he, he didn't have to wait at the airport for it. Yeah. Was he just like waiting for somebody that he thought was his type or? I also am not clear about the airport sequence ultimately in that like, did they know that a green eyed Chinese girl was going to be on that plane? Did they put her on that plane to fetch her for Lopan? Uh, does I just, what do they, are they at LAX every day? Or I mean, I guess the San Francisco equivalent of LAX every day. And and just hoping for a Chinese green-eyed girl to come off of a flight from China. I don't know. I mean, Lopan's pretty magic. I guess he could probably just I don't know, maybe he could predict things. I don't know. I I lots of questions. Lots of questions there. In any case, he got lucky. He found one. He grabbed it. But yeah, I don't know. The, he did. He. I, I, it, after a while, I was like, "Is this your preference or like the curse's preference with the green eyes?" Even. <laughs> I just right. like does the does the demon that you're sacrificing her to her care like uh lots of, I mean, honestly Dwayne get get on that sequel we have a lot of unanswered questions apparently mm-hmm. we also had a lot it's very striking uh depiction of how different airports are now yeah uh they allow a lot of weaponry uh through to people also yeah, because uh, you could did was that actually a thing? You could just pick people up straight from the gate before. Yeah, I mean before nine eleven. Yeah, was that literally right up until nine eleven? You could pick folks up at the gate. Like, I guess you, I don't know. Ex- I don't know exactly, but I do remember. Unless I'm mixing up with what I've seen on TV, but I I feel like I remember when I was really young, bringing my grandparents up to the gate to go on a cruise somewhere down south somewhere, and I I'm pretty sure I remember that. I think it was 
I think it was like I think it was nine eleven that turned that changed it. I could be wrong. We'll probably get some angry letters, but we'll see. <laughs> oh man, I don't want to. I don't want to hear from all of the. I don't even know what demographic would write you angry letters about that. Like I TSA guess like agents, airport historians. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I guess you got a couple of fan bases to look out for. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, looking out for various fan bases, Khalid, would you fight or flirt with the monsters here? Oh man, you're one for two. On... That was a that was a good one. Was it? No. Thank yeah. You. What do you what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, fight or flirt sounds like fight what it flirt. is. I think about the monsters, and I decide if I would fight or flirt them. Um. You know, in a world where a muscle-bound doofus like Jack Burton can get from the beginning of the movie to the end relatively unscathed, I like my chances. This feels like the kind of universe that like will ironically give you wins uh, in a lot of ways. So I, I would I would fight a lot of these monsters. Not Lopan. I don't think I would fight him one-on-one. I know Jack did, and he got him with the, it's all in the reflexes. And that was cool, but I don't, I don't have reflexes. So if it is all in the reflexes, then I'm screwed. I would have to come up with my own catchphrase and beat him with that. Uh, something like, better tie your shoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, ultimately though, yeah, come on. Like, and I, I don't know how to say this without being offensive, but there's a whole cast of people that will kind of do the work for you. So, so even if I fall flat on my face or get like knocked unconscious, I'm gonna wake up to my team getting the W. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst player on a championship team, you know. So there's only so much damage I can even do without them just like stepping in and like getting that, getting the, getting the points, you know, getting that ring. So I'm going to, I'm a fight. I'm a fight. It seems like a fun band of, of adventurers. All right. Fight it. So, all right. I, I get it. I get it. Um, I like that. Uh, worst player in a championship team. That kind of works. Yeah, come on now. And I mean, okay. I don't know. I I don't have green eyes, so like I'm already in a losing battle on flirting with low pan. I was thinking the same thing. I don't have green eyes either, so I don't. I don't think I'd have any chance. So you would fight? I would probably fight. I I mean, the odds are pretty good. Like when you get knocked out, the villains kind of leave you, right? Like your your friends will take over. They you're just you're just kind of good. Yeah, as far as I can tell. And I mean, yeah. worst case scenario, you get a pretty gnarly alleyway funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah. There's a, it's not nothing. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. Yeah. No, oh, good answer. I think yeah. I'm with you on that one. Good. So. Good. We've been at, we've been at odds all episode. I've been trying to I've been trying to hold back from commenting. So it's nice that we finally came together at the end here. Have we been? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you won't commit to bits. You know what, man? If I was supposed to commit, the bit would be better. That's all I'll say. Good time to segue. <laughs> to our final segment of the show. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Our what the fandom segment. Is that your response to when I told you we should probably come up with a theme song for what the fandom? Uh it was, but it was me thinking of you saying that like a second ago and thinking of that within that second. So that's what it was. Yeah. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, was it well, good? Yeah, no, I, I'm a fan. 
Good. You're a what? You're a fan of the what the fandom? Yeah, that's actually gonna be my what the fandom this week, uh, folks. I would like to point you all to Joe's improvised What the Fandom theme song as my What the Fandom for the week. Check it out uh, wherever podcasts are available, roughly at the 56-minute mark. Huh. No, uh, I should do a real one. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, hmm, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if this even needs like the promotion or whatever, but... Uh, my, my what the fandom is going to be the movie I most recently watched, which is F9, The Fast Saga, which is the confusingly titled ninth installment of the Fast and Furious series. Uh, I, I'm going to say what a lot of people who claim to unironically be fans of the movie say. It's it's a load of fun. It's It's madcap stunts and set pieces, and it's an ever-growing uh, eclectic cast, and uh helen mirren increasingly becomes like a linchpin to the plots of these movies which i was never expecting uh so you know if you've seen one of them if you've seen eight of them if you've seen none of the fast movies just go watch it like movies are back you know the, the world is back provided you're vaccinated or feel comfortable going to a theater to see it uh it's it's a really great reintroduction to just like uh, group watching of something, uh, group viewing, I guess is the term. But um, yeah, check it out. You, you might regret it if you care too much about things like plot or performances or quality. But if you're if you're in that like sweet spot of something like I just want to watch something dumb that I can go whoa at like four or five times, this movie is that. So F nine, the Fast Saga, top five of the saga or the franchise it see i've only seen it once i gotta see it like two or three more times to really tell you that because i didn't think i liked fate of the furious that much which was the confusingly titled eighth one um i didn't think i liked that one that much and then i watched it again a couple of times and it grew on me uh that's the sneakiness of this movie especially like when you can take it home and watch it you're 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 not paying nearly as much attention to the boring melodramatic parts and then the set pieces come up and you're like woo it's explodey again so uh i will i will rain check on answering if it's in the top five but i will say it's definitely in the top tier of the good movies it's in the top nine it's definitely top nine of the fast saga (laughs) which is what we're calling it now apparently it's a saga now I mean, it deserves to be. It's nine movies. I know. It sounds more withering when I say it, but it just, there's something so crazy about that. When you think about the things they do in this movie, and it started out as a bunch of guys stealing DVD players, like the, <laughs> how yeah. far they've come, the journey. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you love to see it. It's impressive to think, like, I, I was just saying, like, nine movies. Like, there are other things that have gone up there, but at some point, they get to, like, that direct-to-video status. And this is still turning out big-budget blockbusters. This is already the highest-grossing weekend since 2019. It beat stuff in 2020 that was pre-pandemic. Wow. Good for it. Yeah. Good job, Ben. <laughs> Vin, crushing it. <laughs> All right, Joe. What the fandom with you? I don't know how yours went. I don't know why I even went for it there, but you have it now on on audio. It was good. I liked it. All right. Uh, what the fandom with me? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm actually gonna go to the podcast route. I um I've been 
kind of binging a new podcast, not new, it's old, but it's new to me. It's called Hello from the Magic Tavern. Have you heard of that, Khalid? I have not. Um, it's it's kind of an improv podcast, it seems like, where the premise is there's a guy um, who falls through a magic portal behind a Burger King. He's originally from Chicago and wakes up in this magical land called Foon, happened to have his podcast equipment with him. And so he like hosts a weekly podcast from this magical tavern and interviews various magical creatures. And there's different guest stars who will pretend to be like various magical people. So it's like a podcast, like from the perspective of this like magical world. Um, and the new, one of the newer ones, I think Jason Menzukis is a, is a guest star in it. So they've got some like good comedians coming on in it. And I think the majority of it, majority of it is, is improv. And so it's really funny to just see them like riff off each other and then kind of, and also like build the world. So like it's, 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 it's comedy, but it's semi-serious. Like they try to stay consistent with the rules they've kind of created and stuff and try to make it all fit within the world that they're in. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really silly and ridiculous, but the episodes are pretty short and quick to get through and, and just, I don't know. I laugh quite a bit as somebody who plays a uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like it, or if you're just into like tabletop RPGs in general, I feel like you would get a kick out of it. So I, I, I am late to the party on it, but um, it's, it's, it's great fun. So highly recommended. Um, hello from the magic tavern. Ooh. I will also plug. I also want to plug on the, on the side note from that. I, we talked about this last episode, but I am also on another podcast called deep space love. Yeah. Yeah. And we just released our third episode. So it's a newer podcast. It's, it's myself and Nicole Praska, frequent Frankenstein's podcast, get podcast guests and my wife. And we talk about star romance and star Trek. So if you're into Trek, if you're into sci-fi nerdy things, go give that a listen. And we actually just secured a couple of kind of cool guests for the next couple episodes. So I'm excited about that. So subscribe and check that out. Yeah. One of them may or may not be LeVar Burton. You'll have to listen to find out. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's probably in the may not, but, but you might have to listen to find out. It may or may not. The both options have been presented, Joe. You don't need to hedge the bets any more than that. If you're asking me. You know, right. now it's, it's up to the listener to find out completely fair. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, I co-sign the deep space love, uh, plug, uh, love, love the two hosts of that. They're great folks. And I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, if you enjoy this show. Thanks, Khalid. Yeah, Joe. Um, and do we know what we're doing for the next episode? Uh, I don't know if we know entirely yet. We have a couple couple ideas in the pipeline for you all. Uh, we are recording this super late. We're recording this the night before I was hoping to release this episode. So I'm hoping I'll get in, out in time. So we have uh, a little bit of time to kind of figure out what we're going to do next. But I think we're going to try to try to have a little bit uh, build up a little bit of a backlog so we can have a have a little bit of a rest here. So yeah, uh, just check so. the socials, check the Twitter the twitter is the main i don't say socials it's just pretty much twitter yeah just bear with us uh yeah. we'll 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 get you guys the news as soon as we get it or should i say forbear with us oh uh, <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> i'm uh i just sunk a three off that yeah. one off the that's heat what, of that's that what joke. that sounds like that's what that sounds like basketball reference i like it swish um yeah, so TBD on the next episode. We uh, keep an eye on the socials uh, for any updates on that. But uh, that being said, this is a great episode. Another solid one-on-one sesh with the with the hosts with the most. 
Uh, and until next time, creep it easy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>